Welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher-level leaders across the healthcare industry. I'm Iqbal Acha, career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to learn how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. Linda England is the Vice President of Strategic Accounts at FlavorRx. She works with retail pharmacy chains to improve medication adherence for pediatric and veterinary patients and reduce stress levels for parents and families. Linda has over 30 years of experience designing strategy, overseeing operations, and developing people for a Fortune 1 company. Prior to joining FlavorRx, she served as the Director of Ethics and Compliance Implementation for Walmart, a Senior Director of Pharmacy Operations for Sam's Club, and a host of other supervisory roles within the organization. Linda earned her bachelor's degree in pharmacy from the University of Iowa and is actively licensed across three states, Arkansas, Arizona, and Missouri. She is a change agent who builds trust and credibility with stakeholders, knowing full well that every organization's success centers around its people. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the Healthcare and Hire podcast. Good morning, Iqbal. So happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm so excited. I know that you and I have had so many conversations in the past, and uh, we're going to dive into a lot of your current role, your your achievements, accomplishments, and so many things that you're doing right now at Flavor RX that make me proud to have you as a guest on the show. I know there's lots of listeners that are tuning in today that have prob- that are probably meeting you for the first time. Why don't we take this opportunity and have you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do at Flavor RX, and how does your role take healthcare to a higher level. Great, Igbal. So excited to be here today. So currently I am vice president of strategic accounts at FlavorRx, and that means sales account manager for several retail chains, including CVS, HEB, and Walmart. So many of you are familiar with FlavorRx probably for customizing kids' pediatric suspensions with safe and effective flavors. So FlavorRx offers a simple solution potentially saving hundreds of millions of dollars, Iqbal, for a $300 billion problem of medication noncompliance in the U.S. today. So I've quickly learned since I've been at FlavorRx that it's not a flavor company. It's really a taste company. So what's the number one reason for noncompliance of kids taking their medicine? 80% of them don't like how it tastes. So we offer three pieces to our parents and our children. 
we offer them a choice. Most mass-produced drugs only come with one flavor. Taste, which Susie's favorite flavor, we can possibly flavor their medication that flavor. And most importantly, control. Allowing that child to have control of their medication taste encourages them to take their medication. They're taking control of their own healthcare and they're gonna take their medication. Guess what? That leads to less stress. Moms, dads, caregivers don't have the stress of medicine time. Everybody's happier along those lines. And guess what? Flavor RX is so much more. Everybody's just thinking it's kids pediatrics. It's also the solutions that are available like um, cetirizine, like prednisolone. Also OTC items, Benadryl, Tylenol are also can be flavored in our formulary. And guess what? We also have Flavor RX for pets. We can flavor their medication with a pet formulation overall. I sure wish I would have had that for my cat here a couple of years ago when I was trying to give her an antibody. So overall, improving the taste of medication and allowing patients to choose their medication will taste can improve the therapy adherence, leading to both improved clinical and economic outcomes. Now that's that's incredible, and I you know I'm going to give you a personal testimonial to boost what Flavor RX does. I I'm a father. I've had little kids. When wow, I don't even want to show my age, but let's just say <laughs> one of them is like now a PhD and 30 years old and starting his own life. But when he was a kid, um, really particular. I think there was only like two flavors of antibiotics uh, that you could give to a child, like bubble gum and something else. Neither of them were palatable for him. And when, when you think about compliance, especially in, as a parent um, or as a caregiver, uh, you know, you need to make sure that your child is going to take this. Um, and at the time, uh, we were very fortunate that there was a Flavor RX uh, component at the pharmacy that we visited. So we were able to actually get him, I think it was... I don't remember if it was banana or pineapple, something, something that changed. And he was like, okay, I'll finish this up. So, you know, the, the, the products uh, that Flavor RX offers are, are really, you don't think about it, you know, because most times you're just like, this is what's available. But as a caregiver, as a parent, when your child is sick, has a fever, um, or if you're a fur parent, um, I have cats of my own. And so having them have a grilled tuna selection uh, makes it more palatable. So thank you for doing that and for sharing that. I think that there may be a segment of this audience that may not totally see the full picture of Flavor RX. I just want to help them understand, like, it's, it's, you mentioned this before, and I really thought it was a very well uh, structured uh, component of how Flavor RX presents itself. It's not about flavor, it's about taste. Uh, and the fact that your products have actually been used in over a hundred million prescriptions, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, like nearing 25 years, um, and the fact that it's also available at over 46,000 pharmacies across the United States makes this a very accessible product. Um, and the other thing that I found really interesting was, is that, you know, you mentioned this before, it's geared towards pediatric and veterinary um, products. So whether we're talking about grilled tuna or crispy bacon for cats and dogs, uh, to banana, cherry, pineapple, things of that. Uh, more palatable and a fruity capacity um, really makes life a lot easier um, and really helps people get healthier uh, faster. Is there a particular flavor that you're more uh, preferential to so far in your dealings with Flavor RX and having represented the company? You know, I think strawberry is my favorite flavor overall. And I love that you mentioned the bubble gum thing because everybody thinks, oh my goodness, everybody, every child loves bubble gum and they don't. Yeah. And funny, Amoxyl is actually our number one flavored product 
And that's everybody's go, wait a minute, that's, it's already flavored bubblegum. Why would you flavor it that? And so I talk about that all the time to the pharmacies about Amoxyl is our number one flavored. And guess what? One of the best flavors you can add to it is bubblegum because it does make it palatable then. Yeah. It's our bubblegum is way better than their bubblegum. That's a great point. And, and I would agree, like there are just, I mean, even if you chew bubble gum, right? Like, you know, that there are some companies or some brands that you were like, nope, had a bad experience with this one. I won't try that, but I still want to chew gum. Um, and I like that bubble gum flavor. So switch to a different one. Um, Linda, let's talk a little bit about Flavor RX in terms of the solutions that you're bringing to the table. I think probably, you know, when we see how, um, when you are looking at your role in strategic accounts, um, there's a lot of challenges that you are hearing from your clients and your customers in terms of either integration within their workflow um, or maybe including a new product and how to market that. Like, what is, is there like a particular problem that you hear repeatedly from providers? Uh, that you have been able, that you're focusing on now? Um, or are there any particular issues uh, that you have recently addressed that you feel proud to be able to say, FlavorRx solved this problem for our customers and our patients? Yeah, Iqbal, that's a, that's a great question. So FlavorRx, under our umbrella, there's actually three individual components that work together. And so we have FlavorRx, and that has the Healthy Kids Happy Family, then there's the fill master machine, which many of you may be familiar with, with automation, digital water dispensing, basically scan a barcode and it automatically measures out the water and you quickly can, can uh, reconstitute the, the prescription overall. Um, the third thing people may not be aware of is the fill pure part of our business. And that's um, water quality um, assurance program for reverse osmosis, water purification, um, and, and we maintain that. So you put all that together. So from the time the water comes into the pharmacy till it's in the child's prescription, that pharmacy can be, that team can be 100% um, assured that that product is safe and water is good and they can quickly, and, and that's really the term I, I want to focus on is today's time, Iqbal, they don't have a lot of time out there. So anything we can do to help them be more efficient and effective and save them time is really going to be helpful. The last thing is just um, this provides the opportunity for the pharmacy to connect with their customers. I always go, this is, this is about the heart and about um, a pharmacist and connecting with, the, with their patients. And what better way to connect with your customers today than being able to customize their prescription and helping them take their prescription medication. It's so important that we remind ourselves and the listeners about the relationship that's built between a healthcare provider and their patient. Um, and I know you, you mentioned this right now, which I think is so super, super important as well, which is, you know, the amount, the volume of prescriptions that are dispensed in community pharmacies consistently increases year after year. Um, workflow is, you know, demanding already. Um, and of course, the pandemic has, you know, exacerbated that. But your patients are going to come back to you because of the feelings of trust, communication, and understanding that are built through these conversations. And even that 5, 10, 15 second savings 
um, or or more that can be generated by using uh, one of your products from the fill from the fill line, I think really enhances that and 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 becomes a, a greater component of that. So thank you for that. I I will tell you that personally speaking, you know, having worked in uh, pharmacies, both independent and chain, uh, you know, there is a uh, there is a, a significant amount of focus and energy that needs to go into manually having to try to fill this, right? You're looking at the bottom of the meniscus and you're like, okay, I need to fill this in. And how many times as a pharmacy technician, when I was in that role and an intern, um, having to literally throw away a bottle because I just wasn't doing it properly and to have it done, you know, measured out accurately saves quite a bit, not just of time, but like frustration and, um, you know, in, in that process. So that that's really important to hear. Linda, the reason, one of the reasons why I asked you to be a guest on the show is because, you know, you're more than simply just the vice president of strategic accounts at Flavor RX. Like your career history is not just expansive, it's exquisite. You have had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, over 20 years of experience in operations for pharmacy, having served multiple roles uh, for Walmart and then uh, within an operational capacity, pharmacy manager, district manager, regional manager, uh, and a higher. Uh, and then you pivoted. You went from operations and having not only to lead, supervise, um, and um, you know create new initiatives for how to expand the business of pharmacy for Walmart, you then moved into a different space and that was uh, ethics and compliance. Uh, and you did that for about five plus years at Sam's Club. That's a big pivot, but you've been able to see pharmacy and healthcare from a variety of different ways. Um, I'd love to understand a little bit about like that, that transition. Like that doesn't sound like a natural transition for some people. Like when you've spent that much time in operations to go into compliance, um, there had to be you know, a lot of preparation, I would, I would assume, right? Like, was that just a natural switch? Like one day, you know, when I'm done with operations, I, I know I want to do ethics and compliance. How did that happen? Yeah, Inkball. So I will tell you, I loved being a pharmacist. I loved being a market manager. I love being a regional. I love making a difference through people and helping um, patients get better overall. And I will equate that to a tree. And basically I had 25 years of a tree with very deep roots into pharmacy operations, but I didn't have any branches. Hmm. So pharmacy operations, even though Sam's club awarded me many opportunities to go into marketing, um, that technically wasn't my job title. Um, so through that whole thing, it was, you know, it was project management. There was lots of things in addition to operations. Um, but it, I decided it was time for me to grow a branch. And so I decided to get uncomfortable and go do something different where instead of being the leader and influencing down, it was across more. And so compliance, I had no power because of the name that I had, the title that I had. I got the power from building relationships and influencing through data and being able to get SVPs to put in new processes to help compliance overall. That's that's scary. I mean, I, I just imagine leaving an, an ecosystem that you have designed, developed, built, nurtured over a course of, for, for I mean, two and a half decades, right? And then to, to walk into a blank space and have to <laughs> recreate that, that takes a lot of courage. 
I uh, equate that to cutting my right arm off at the time because I, because I'm right-handed and it was totally different, but you know, Jill Turner Mitchell was my SVP and had told me, Linda, if you get uncomfortable, you will learn at a faster rate because you have to, you don't have all the people in place that'll run that report for you. You got to figure out how to run that report. Um, and you got to figure out things. So you just learn because you have to, because you don't have that matrix in, in place. And it was really great to be able to work in a totally different environment um, and learn and grow through that. I'm glad you had that. And it sounds like you also had somebody that was really gently pushing you in the right direction too. So that's really good. She was, she was great. And as much as I loved pharmacy and, you know, helped roll out immunizations and MTM and, through that whole process, um, it was great to learn another side of the business. So I'm proud to announce I had a, I had a branch of compliance after that five years. Beautiful. And now you're doing some, and now you have a new branch, right? Working at Flavor Rx, you have the opportunity to, to see things from a different perspective. Um, is there a team that you supervise as well in this role? Like, what is that like to have to be able to you know, you're, you're being held accountable from a sales perspective, right? Like you're trying to increase the number of accounts, but you're also deepening uh, the strength and the, the business that comes from existing accounts. Um, talk to me a little bit about your team, how you interact with them, like, you know, what the size and scope of your team looks like. Um, just some details to understand, like how, how you operate on a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, Iqbal. So this again, I'm I'm definitely growing another branch here because this is this is definitely out of my normal comfort zone. So about a year ago, I was looking at my elevator speech and thinking, what can I do that I can use my extensive health and wellness, my operations, my compliance background, um, and then continue to help me grow and and learn a different side of the business. I had been trying to be pushed into sales and, and be a buyer years ago. And I just had never done that piece of it. And so Flavor RX checked all the boxes for me and now provides me that opportunity to sit on the other side of the table as a supplier um, to learn the rest of the business as that now I'm calling on Walmart and now I'm calling on HEB um, and CVS. And so um, twofold. It's great that I have an opportunity to expand my network, which is really, really important. It's something you have to work on all the time. But number two is I don't have a team. I I have myself um, and I'm working again across the organization with operations. And it's, it's, I work with the operators at Flavor RX that go install the machines or do the flavoring. And so it's utilizing some of those new skills that I got with compliance to help work across the organization. And Flavor RX is based in Maryland. So the, the majority of the people are at the home office. I'm sitting here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Oh, that's, that's so unique. I mean, you're talking of geographically dispersed team. You're talking national accounts uh, and you're talking remote remote relationships. And that's got to be difficult. Like, I mean, I know we're all working through a pandemic, but still, like, you know, at your level and what you do, how do you how are you effective at it? And I'm asking you that in a very sincere way, because I recognize, you know, for many years, my role was to be in person and in front of other people. So when you saw them, you shook their hand, you got, you know, you, you were able to pick up things. Um, and that's how relationships got built is like sometimes even through the subtle cues. I, I mean, I'd love to understand like how, how you navigate these waters today. 
Yeah, so it's definitely, um, you have to make it a priority to stay in touch, to communicate, to try to stay connected, because there's things that go on in the office that um, I just don't have that opportunity to see. And so it's really about relationships and communication piece, and whether that's with CVS or whether that's with Walmart, and um, knowing there are a lot of competing priorities today, um, you know, we text. And so I, um, I was a late adapter adopter to um, texting just because you just can't see the person's face when they're texting and, and you don't know exactly what they're feeling or how they're going to take your response. And so I try to be very thoughtful of what I communicate and how I communicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've, and I've said nothing but um, the, the sky is blue, the grass is green and nothing else can be emailed. Just because you don't, you don't want to leave areas for things to, you know, be read into uh, overall. So, and you know, there's a, there's a um, tool that I, I got years ago and it says, start with a roadmap. And I literally will copy and paste it into emails of, of how to strategically communicate. You don't want to give all the details you want enough details where people can either understand the situation or make a decision but i've had svps who from an email um, a short email that i've allowed incorporated training to um you know people in their whole division out there so it's really about simple streamlining um and effective communication you know having having served in the roles that you've served and that's that's really remarkable in it, in and of itself uh, but this last pit, bit of advice you just shared i think is really helpful for anyone whether they're starting their professional journey or they've been established for 30 plus years you know the the simplicity of a statement uh, is essential without having an audience of one to a million read into it in multiple ways. So thank you for that piece of advice. I'm going to be tapping you in a few moments for some more uh, pearls of wisdom that you can share. I'd like to go back for one moment here. And that's because, you know, because you see healthcare uh, and pharmacy in particular in so many different perspectives or wearing so many different lenses, you see from an operational perspective, from a compliance and ethics perspective, quality assurance, regulatory affairs, uh, and now sales, you know, the world of pharmacy is changing. And it's not just changing in a trajectory that's yeah, predictable. It it goes and stops and starts. It changes. Uh, it's very reactive, and yet also on the on, there's underlying currents underneath it. I'd love to understand from your perspective, like how do you see the pharmacy ecosystem changing over the next five years? Are there any big predictors that you're tapping into now to help with the growth of your business? And what advice do you see for future professionals and executives that are currently in pharmacy to prepare for as pharmacy shifts again? So as a pharmacist, I became a pharmacist, decided a freshman in high school, I wanted to become a pharmacist and I did. And I became a pharmacist because I wanted to make a difference and help people. And so that's what needs to remain central to to our thought processes. So you hear um, the industry talking about pharmacists and technicians working at the top of their license, which is great. We've wanted for 30 plus years to be able to do more than you know, count and lick and stick and pour, right? Right. So um, the question is, how does all this morph together? And so when I think about that, I think that um, 
technology has to has to be really center and paramount to what they're doing. So if they're, I, I literally had a pharmacist tell me a couple of weeks ago, I don't know why my company wants me to flavor. I don't have time to do that. Hmm. I have kids and um, I just make them take the medicine. <laughs> so I love getting be a dad, right? <laughs> I just, it was, I, I just it. love getting transparent feedback though. Um, to understand what's really going on in today. And so we've got to keep that, that reality um, up, up front. And we can pretend that everybody is happy and doing great, but the reality is they have less and less time to do what they need to do. So um, those companies who suppliers, organizations that prov provide those solutions to give time back um, to the techs and pharmacists to, so they can conduct that services um, to connect with their patients and to make a difference because that's what they really want to do overall. Those are the ones who are going to succeed. Um, it's, it's a very interesting time and we've got to be able to think about time efficiency, um, simple. Like I talked about that, um, earlier, it's simple. It has to be, they have to buy into it. They have to understand why, otherwise it's just another task. And so when I have that conversation with that pharmacist, I said, you know, once you have that, pay, that parent who comes back and tells you, thank you, mm -hmm. you made all the difference in my life because that medicine was flavored. I said, you'll understand. I said, this is that connection piece. And, and once he heard that, he's, his whole demeanor changed and he, he got it and understood. Um, but it's really about automation and technology and it isn't more 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 you know we as an operator you can you can roll out all these programs and ask them to do more and more and more but you have to take things away or help them with the automation and technology piece and that's what flavor rx does a great job with you know our cadillac system can flavor and reconstitute in 20 seconds mm. that's pretty impressive Versus having to, you know, the syringes and having to pull out the different yeah. flavors, add flavoring or your point earlier about the meniscus and measuring out and going back and forth. And so that's what um, uh, a great solution is for pharmacies today. I think that that's a, it's really good to hear from someone at your level, because I think that the majority of listeners have this ambivalence towards technology and automation. They understand it's critical, but they also see that as a threat. And rather than seeing it as like a dual, a dueling forces, you know, like evil and good, um, hot and cold, like it's actually integrated. Like if you're able to leverage both of them in the right way, you can be more productive and have more meaningful relationships and, you know, develop more business because you've taken something that's mundane, you know, routine ritual and just offloaded that. So I, I love that. That sounds wonderful. Linda, you've had such a beautiful career and, and you know, we've talked a little bit about this at the beginning, um, be having served in an operational role, ethics and compliance. Um, when you take a look back and you know, right now in the role that you're in, you mentioned earlier, like FlavorRx checked all the boxes. Um, how did you know that this was the right role for you? What was it? What were those boxes that you looked at? You were like, yeah, these, this, is, this would be a good fit for me or this is the next step in my career. Yeah, so um, I looked at the health and wellness background. I looked at 
operations. I looked at compliance and it just really fit of all I can, you know, how can I utilize these and, and leverage all these things? You know, the first thing when you go get uncomfortable is like, can I do this? Yeah. And, and that first moment when you got go, oh my gosh, because of the experiences I bring to the table, I was able to accomplish this. There's nothing, no better feeling than that. And so whatever organization you're a part of or you're leading, there are things that you uniquely bring to the table. So my being a pharmacist, there's one other pharmacist in the, in flavor RX besides myself. Um, I bring the operational side of pharmacy to the organization. And so um, as I'm going into pharmacies, you know, it's like, Oh, here comes the flavor RX person. And it's like, I'm a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist. And this is my second career after I've retired. I'm doing this because I want to make a difference out there with kids and with adults. I mean, I, I learned about flavor RX at Sam club, um, Sam clubs population there, there is not pediatric, you know, their clients, their patients tend to be older. Um, and so I learned about flavor RX when, a, a patient came to us, 60 year old, taking 10 medications. One was a liquid and she couldn't tolerate the flavor of it. And so we flavored her medication and she transferred 10 prescriptions to us. And so on the business side of this as well, it's a differentiator. Not every pharmacy is offering that um, flavoring opportunity, that customization. I was just talking with somebody about lactulose last week. They were going to lose a patient that couldn't tolerate the banana flavored of the new lactulose. And so they saved that customer from going to another location because they could flavor it. That's pretty interesting. Uh, and, and I appreciate you sharing that story. One thing that you mentioned that really just caught my ear and I wanted the audience to know, like, you know, when you were working in the role that you were at, um, you know, as a senior director at Sam's Club for the ethics and compliance division, like your, your critical thinking skills, your strategy, your vision, I mean, you know, most time, most times people don't re recognize what that looks like, but they understand that when you've made a difference, not just for an individual, but for an organization. Um, and the fact that you were able to help Sam's Club achieve number one by JD Powers, not once, but twice, uh, because of some of the initiatives that you drove really, really in underlies how valuable you were and you still are today, because I think that most of the time people have a tendency to look at a, a leader and simply just say, well, they're filling in the, you know, that position and they're just doing this. Um, but how does that impact everybody? And we love stories because stories are really boiled down the impact that it has on an individual. Um, but, you know, most companies don't ever even get on a JD Powers list, let alone heading it twice as a number one uh, position. So that that really speaks volumes to the kind of leader you are. And, and that helps me then, of course, segue into my next question, because as a leader, you know, you've led um, and nurtured, developed, supervised, and helped promote a lot of people under your team. You're a phenomenal mentor. Um, and I'd love to understand a little bit about that driving factor inside you. Like you, because of the way that you mentor people, um, you have a beautiful ability to see not just the good in individuals, but their strengths and how you recognize what their potential is. I'd love to hear some of your mentor stories if you're willing to share. Now, how do you, how did you get to become a mentor? Um, and what is it that you appreciate the most 
um, when you have a success story with a mentee? You know, I would say I, I've, I've had a great career and some great accomplishments and definitely the JD powers is, is, was one of my highlights of, of, you know, taking care of your customers, taking care of your regionals who take care of their market managers, who take care of their pharmacists, who take care of their customers. That's just, it was just incredible to, for the customers and the patients to vote us number one. And so, first of all, I just want to say that that is like a highlight for, for me. It was, it was just phenomenal out there. I will say mentoring um, is really my passion. It There's nothing that makes me happier than seeing someone that I have mentored accomplish something they didn't think they could. And so, you know, there's been mentoring programs out there. And I, for a long time, I didn't have a, a quote mentor, if you will, um, an official mentor. Um, but you realize when you get older, you have a lot of mentors through life. They just might not be official life, you know, official, official mentor, but, but they mentor you and give you advice along the way that, that helps you. And so um, I have mentored people, um, help them. I will stop and help anybody that needs help. I want to help whatever way I can. I'm an open book. Um, if anybody will ask me, I've been known to give very transparent answers. Be careful because I will tell you transparently um, how, how I feel about things. Um, but I want people to be able to accomplish whatever they think they can. And I've had a special, I guess, leaning towards females because I am one. I was born, raised on an Iowa farm. I didn't come from a professional background family and didn't always necessarily know how important networking is and relationship building at, at what level. And so helping others uncap that earlier in their career and to tell them you can do this and this is how you go do this. Um, you know, this is how I did it. Maybe it may look a little different for you, but giving them the knowledge and the openness to go get whatever they want to do. So I co-led a mentor circle for, eight years at Walmart um, with another senior director through it for women once a month. Um, and I have actively mentored throughout my pharmacy career and continue mentoring the, to this day. I think that's very important. Um, and the fact that you continue to do that today because you recognize that there's still a need. Um, I'm sure you probably get a lot of requests for that. And when you have that, you know, how do you, how do you uncover like, I guess it's like a two-pronged approach, right? Like one are the people that see you in a leadership role and they're attracted to the way that you speak, the way that you communicate uh, and the value that you bring. And they're like, I, one day I want to grow up and be like you. Like that's how they, you know, that's how most people pick a mentor. They're like, I, I really want to be in your shoes one day. So they have the courage to ask and approach you. But I'm sure that you've also seen individuals where you're like, this person has something. I don't know what it is. It's untapped potential. Um, you know, what is it that you, is there like a knack to that? Like, how have you been able to identify some of your mentees that maybe have not had the, the, the gumption to approach you in that way and, and ask you directly, like, how does that work? Or, and how do you think that an audience member on this podcast today can try to leverage that lesson for themselves? So I will say either number one, I have seen the person and have, have seen something in them that I think could be untapped. Um, or most of the time it's through other relationships. I, I work hard at the relationships that I have to keep them 
strong and learn from each other. And many times one of my friends will say, Hey, Linda, I think there's someone that, that you could really help out. I see some, some things maybe from a female perspective, you can help them with if it's a male friend overall. Um, but it's a lot of times through friends and through relationships. It's interesting. So um, it's at Sam's club and Walmart, we used to have a program where they would go match you. They would find somebody at officer level and then match you to that person. And overall, that program was not as successful as they thought it would be because um, a lot of times it, it requires that third person maybe to help connect them or there's, there's got to be some, some common thread there. But I will tell you, I went through that program at Sam's Club and Cindy O'Connor um, was the SVP um, at the time was my selected mentor and she was phenomenal. Um, I still am in contact with her today. She has helped guide me, helped give me very transparent feedback either on a situation that I was in or, or shared her experiences with me um, at previous companies or just really helped as a, that person that says, Hey, Linda, you know, you need to corks correct here. Have that you know, have it being a mentor isn't just, Hey, you're doing a great job. It's yeah. really identifying what the, you know, what the maybe opportunity is here and how, how I can help you get better there. So I, I just want to do a shout out for her because I, I love my time with her. She's now retired, but I still keep up with her today. Good. And you know, that's the, that's the measure of a quality relationship, right? Like when the opportunity has come and gone and the event has passed, like if there's a relationship that's still there, you'll, you'll maintain that. And thank you for also acknowledging your mentor. I think it's important that no matter who you are, no matter where you are on your journey, you know, a little bit of appreciation um, means a lot. Um, I've, I've had people that have reached out to me 30 years from the past and they were just like, at one point you did this for me. And I was like, I'm glad I did. I'm glad it helped you. I just don't remember all the details, but clearly it was impactful for you. And it just, it's a good feel all around. Um, Linda, you are always and have continued to be a very positive, uplifting individual. Every time I've conversed with you or met with you or even engaged with you just electronically, like you always have this great spirit about you. I'm wondering if there's like a quote, a book, or like, where do you tap, where do you find your resource or your unlimited pool of optimism? Where does that come from for you? So I've always wanted to make a difference. Like I talked about freshman of high school to become a pharmacist and um, it's, it's making a difference one person at a time. Um, and I didn't become um, a market manager for um, a long time because I love that personal relationship. And it took me a while to understand that I could influence other people and I could become a market manager and have a team of pharmacists then that I supervise and I could help them make a difference for their patients um, overall. Um, about 10 years ago, I came across a story. It's a little silly story. You can Google it. It's called the starfish story. Mm. And it's literally about a little child walking down the ocean and the tides come in, the tides come out and there are starfish laying out on the shore. And the child is picking up the starfish and throwing them back in the water. And here comes this older person walking along and says, what are you doing? And the child says, I'm throwing the starfish back in the water because if they don't get back there, I'm going to die. And, and 
the older person says, but don't you understand there are thousands of miles of shoreline and there's thousands of starfish here. You can't possibly make a difference. And the child says, but I'm making a difference for this one. And that's really, it's stuck with me. Um, I rarely can be found without a starfish necklace or earrings or something to understand and, and remind me to make a difference every day. Um, and I love now, I've told this story a million times. My husband goes, oh, goodness, here she goes again with the starfish story. Um, but now I have people come back to say, you know, Linda, I was your starfish. And now they're paying it forward and they're telling the story. And that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Gosh, that's really, I don't want to say I'm tearing up, but, you know, I'm starting to see a little bit of watery things here. So that's, <laughs> that's really that's beautiful, Linda. Thank you for sharing that. And, and you know, I want to also uh, thank you because, you know, in addition to what you've just shared with me, like you're actually sharing with my listeners a special gift uh, for those that are pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, you're providing for them um, free continuing education. Why don't you share with me a little bit about uh, some of the details so that way when they click on the link at the end uh, in the bio and in the description, they'll, they'll know what they're getting. Oh, Iqbal, I love that uh, FlavorRx is, we've came out with this new CE about six months ago, and it's all about how to improve pediatric adherence. And so, you know, it makes me really happy to, um, to think about all the differences that we have made across the United States. Um, the thing of it is, is parents don't know about FlavorRx to begin with. There's a lot of people who still don't know, and, you know, kids may take it till they're eight use it till they're eight, but then they may not. So it's, it's like a traveling parade that's always going by. And so how do we get the, the pharmacy teams to understand why flavoring is important or tasting is important? And I will tell you this 34 minute CE tells you the anatomy and physiology of the tongue and why taste buds and things taste different to kids than they do adults. Um, and it gives more of the statistics behind um, why um, stress is, you know, what percent of people have stress and what percent of, of parents report stress um, at bedtime or at medicine time. And so it'll just give you an in-depth um, understanding of, of flavor RX and why allowing that choice um, to what the child taste is makes all the difference and improves pediatric adherence. Well, on behalf of my listeners and myself, I really do want to appreciate you for sharing that. I think that's going to be phenomenal. My intention is, is that I will finish that tonight. Uh, when I'm, uh, when I'm done with work, I'm going to go ahead and listen to that CE and really like, actually, I'll give you some feedback in terms of what I learned from that. So that way, hopefully that can help you as well. But Thank you. I appreciate that. Linda, you've, you've provided us quite a great overview in terms of your career, what you do at FlavorRx, the value that the organization brings to patients and providers alike. I um, mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, your mentoring, mentees, uh, and then also just your personal journey. You've, you've mentioned a few things that I thought were very important in terms of life lessons. Um, if you don't mind, I would actually love to tap into one more. And that is, you know, you started off uh, describing your, you know, your origins, you know, you, you started off working on a farm uh, and there wasn't really a lot of uh, examples of where you could have gone beyond that. So, I mean, how did you, 
it was it what was that life lesson that suddenly you learned in the process of your childhood maybe preteen years where you recognize like this is the path i want to take because most people will just continue going forward um without taking without taking you know a blink because that's what they think they need to do and then something happens and they are like whoa i never thought about that and then they pursue this new track yeah, so growing up on a farm, first of all, is is a great childhood, and I had four older brothers, and I learned a lot about teamwork and collaboration and success and hard times, you know, with maybe maybe the weather not being exactly like it should be, about ups and downs, and um, learned a lot about, about industry, if you will, at that point. I wanted to share one of my early learnings in that in this small community in Southwest Iowa during pharmacy school, I had problems trying to find a pharmacy to work in because the volume wasn't high enough um, to pay an intern during the summer. And so many for many summers during pharmacy school, I would go do something else. I would go walk beans, which if you're from the Midwest, you know what that bean means or detessel corn. Um, which is, which was not a whole lot of fun either. Um, but I was also fortunate enough to, um, be a waitress in a country club in a real small community, about 2000 people. Now I learned a great lesson. Um, I applied, I went for my interview. I dressed up in my interview attire and I didn't get hired Ooh. because they thought that I couldn't or wouldn't do the hard work because I was dressed up in a dress and nice shoes. Um, and so my best friend's parents ate at this location a lot. And they heard that I was told that I didn't get the job. And so they called the owners, knew them well, and said, you need to hire Linda like now. And so I ended up getting hired and I worked for them for about three years. And I will just say, I learned so much about life, um, working at um, that restaurant, working with other waiters and waitresses and just learning a whole lot about life. And so I learned a lot about networking um, and relationships. Um, and, you know, I didn't get the first job that I went to apply for to be a waitress because they didn't think that I could do it. And so that's pretty impactful. So you think about, um, you know, today you're in recruiting and how do you help people get hired? It isn't just a simple go to an interview and you get hired. There's a lot of other things that come around um, preparation or relationships or communications on the front side or on the back side whatever it is that help you get hired today. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so I'm shocked because I know the kind of effort and energy that goes into working on a farm and for somebody not to see somebody to have a misperception based on, you know, Oh, you're wearing a dress. So I'm not going to hire you, but I, I think, know, I, it? yeah, it's, it's very bizarre to hear that. Cause I would be like, you know, you will do anything I will ask you to do. It doesn't matter what it is because that's the type of person, at least from my understanding with all my colleagues that I've ever had over the course of time that I've ever worked on, lived on um, and owned a farm uh, there. Yeah, you work hard. I mean, you work hard. Um, so that's, that's the first part that makes me laugh. The second part is, which doesn't make me laugh, but makes me remember like how important networking is. I mean, that is the lifeblood of, of anyone's future. Um, and you're right. Like it doesn't matter what degrees you really have while they are essential 
for certain roles um, and certifications add to that, uh, it's not enough. You need to know people that, and more importantly, they need to know you and vouch for your quality. Um, and so to hear you share that story just constantly reminds me that. Linda, this has been a phenomenal uh, interview. I've really enjoyed your, your vulnerability, your openness, your transparency. Just this conversation has been so good. And I know that there's going to be many of my listeners that are going to want to reach out to you. Uh, what's the best way for them to do that if they'd like to learn more about you or just about what you do? Yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always reading and um, I'm, you can always get me there, LinkedIn slash Cheyenne slash Linda K. England. Um, I'm also on Facebook. And so I would love to help out anybody who would love to hear any past experience or um, I, I just love to learn more about people. Um, well, uh, one last thing is one of my, my secret um, messages I say to people is you have two ears uh, and one mouth and they should be used in that proportion. So it's really important that we hear and we listen to people. Um, and so many times, so many people go out and they just talk because they love to hear themselves talk. Um, I'm, I'm a big listener. And so I will ask an open-ended question I probably already know the answer and people who know me well know that I already know the answer probably, but I want to know what you're going to tell me about it. And that's how you can really follow up and see what is really going on out there and getting the pulse of it versus are you just checking a box? Are you doing this? Yeah, I am. Yes or no. So um, this really two years in one mouth. Remember that proportion. It's a, it's a good key for you. I love it. Linda, thanks again. I'm, I'm going to do my best. You know, I've enjoyed listening to this entirely, uh, and I'm going to do my best to, you know, use my mouth in the, in in the right proportion. Thanks for being a guest on the show. Please continue to do what you do and continue to take healthcare to a higher level. Thank you, Igbal. I really have enjoyed this opportunity to reconnect with you um, and uh, to tell my story. Thank you for that opportunity. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this episode or my show in general. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders advance their career build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's keep working to take healthcare to a higher level.